You're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Body IO FM with your host, Kiefer, and co host, Dr. Rocky Patel. Hello, Kiefer. And uh, we always mention our sponsors, Hylete Athletic Gear. Check them out. There's a discount code on the website, body.io. You should be able to find that. And today we're going to do a little recap of the Paleo Weekend, Paleo FX. Um, Mostly probably complain about stuff from the conference more than anything else. Uh, But uh, Jim, Jim Laird was there, so we've got Jim Laird on the call today and also... AJ, who has been uh, on one of our previous podcasts, and you probably see her floating around the body IO world these days. So, Jim, why don't you go ahead and say hi? What's up, Kiefer? How you doing, man? Good. Good to have you back on the show. It's been a while since either one of us have been on either of our podcasts. That's correct. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. It's had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And then, AJ, why don't you... You say hi. Chime in for us. Hi, everyone. AJ here. Who's, How's who, everyone doing today? Pretty good. She's uh, she's pretty much become her own little minor celebrity lately. She's almost internet famous. <laughs> so Yes. Lots of emails and Facebook messages. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, all of us, all four of us were actually at Paleo FX last weekend. Is that right? Was it that long ago? Yes, it was that long ago. Uh, so, it, and AJ had some uh, interesting topics she wanted to bring up. And, you know, Jim always has commentary on everything. Um, <laughs> not me. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, not you. So I thought we'd just start with a little recap of Paleo, maybe a couple of those points. And then, um, you know, kind of Jim, I always love having Jim on the show because of his focus on training females and being very sensitive to their needs, both being overtrained, their stress levels, their home life, all of that, you know, just really incorporating a holistic, even though I hate that word, like a holistic program for women that's centered on strength training. Uh, So that's, you know, just key, particularly for women. Uh, So, so we'll get into that a little, little bit later, but Let's let's break down the Paleo FX weekend. Anybody want to start? Ladies first. Oh, ladies first. Yeah, why don't you? You were uh, the only non-speaker, AJ. Um, not not to single you out, but why don't you give us your impressions as a audience member? As an audience member uh, on the actual um, presentations. Uh, well, I mean, I think it was a really really mixed group, uh, which was interesting. I question, uh, you know, some of the combinations on some of the panels, but I think everyone did a really good job of, you know, I think the main message there was that people just have, kept on repeating, like, we have to put this in context, you know, when we had like you up there, Kiefer, with, you know, Ben Greenfield and, and Nate, you know, the, the repetitive message was, who's the client? What's the context? And that was really important, I think, especially within those panels, because it was so diverse. Yeah, I think that's actually lost 
in almost every conversation of nutrition and paleo is really bad about that, like context. Um, mm-hmm. Who's this stuff appropriate for? And that's why we're, we're starting to see some of the odd ha- ad hoc crap. I would call it like, oh, well, don't go paleo. Use a paleo template. It's, it's like, you know, basically we don't know what's going on anymore. So we're just going to start throwing shit against the wall till it sticks, which because you know, they just don't pay attention to the context of who it is they're really speaking to. I think that that's a good point. But go on. Let's let's talk about like other speakers. I don't know if or maybe the expo, you know, the. the I just I don't want this to focus on like my panels and stuff necessarily or or Jim's talk because there's so much more going on there. I know ours were the most interesting panels and talks, of course, um, but there was a lot more going on at Paleo. I think it was just there was so much going on at once that it, it was really hard to actually get anything from it. Um, there were so many times where there was three or four different people speaking at the same time that I wanted to see um, that I didn't um, I didn't get a chance to actually go and dive into anything in any kind of detail. I thought your um, your talk on hermetics was uh, hermetic stress was fantastic. Doctor uh, Parsley's. Um, talk on sleep was was outstanding and you know he said something that really messed with my really kind of bent my brain and um you know he talked about how when people go on vacation or they take a break they get sick um and he was like a lot of times people aren't healthy enough to get sick and that that kind of is one of the few things other than some of the things we've talked about Kiefer as far as hermetics and adaptation and homeostasis that has really messed with my brain I never really that's very rarely do I hear something that kind of you know, really shocks me or surprises me. But that that was something that really kind of made me actually stop and think, wow, that's that's something I've never really thought of before, you know? Yeah, that was an interesting point. When you when you said that to me, it, you know, it instantly makes sense. But at the same time, you don't really think of it that way. I thought, I agree with you. That was a great comment, I think, to, and a great insight that a lot of people miss. You, oh, Yeah, I, I know we always think about it the opposite way around, right? I mean... You're sick, so you're you're not you're not healthy, so you get sick. Right, you're not healthy enough to get sick. I've never thought of it from that way before. It really kind of challenged my thought process. Yeah, it's um, it it was a little mind, like basically impression altering of of how to see health and sickness and how they're very important to each other, but not, you know, that obviously doesn't include chronic sickness where we're just making ourselves sicker and sicker and sicker. You know, this is the, the sure. healthy sick response as it were. Right. Have a healthy immune system. You know, and I think, you know, one of the most valuable things about, about paleo effects, at least for me, is the, the ability to have discourse, you know, like to get together with you and, and talk to Rob and talk to Dr. Parsley and, and Dr. Rocky and, and just talk to different people and just get different people's takes on things. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've been able to have these kind of conversations without taking things personally and listen to other people's opinions and listen to their thought process and their arguments and getting to talk to people like Chris Cresser in person and, and getting to ask him questions. And I mean, that's, that's really the most valuable thing about going to a seminar like that is the personal interaction with some of these people. And, and you know, I think that's one of the reasons I go out of my way to try and go to the events you're at, Kiefer, because you know, one of the, the reasons I value your friendship so much is because you do challenge my th- thought process. You do make me think, and most people don't have the most people don't have the fortitude to challenge me and challenge my thought process. So, you know, I appreciate that, and Rob does the same thing for me, and 
And, um, you know, it's uh, from a business perspective as well as from a, from a, what I'm teaching other people. So I, I appreciate that. Oh, well, no problem. I'm always, I'm always happy to piss on everybody's uh, thought <laughs> process, basically. <laughs> um, and well, I won't say speaking of that, but like a good, a good segue about the, the, <laughs> the weekend. And, you know, we had a lot of these great conversations, able to hang out with a lot of people. Um, and, and it was, it was really busy. There were so many people there, uh, not just in attendance, but speaking. And then, you know, afterwards trying to catch up with people, uh, it, it was pretty hectic. And AJ brought up a really good point that I had just lost sight of, uh, Jim probably lost, lost sight of it because he's been in this world and Rocky might've as well. But AJ brought up the great point about what our diet is like now, like kind of the the freedom it afforded and I'll let I'll let her take this up because she's she's the one that brought it up and it's an excellent point yeah I think that was what left the biggest impression on me it had nothing really to do with uh, you know being at paleo effects but it was the mindset of our group and you know a group that's so into um, our health and of course I mean there's an aesthetic uh, uh, factor there too we were the best looking group by the way people who are on carb night or carb backloading by far stood out in the crowd and, and i'm being totally serious it's a little vainglorious but we really did stick out in the crowd i think yeah i would i would but agree with that and and uh, at the same time like for me um when i do things locally they're with um you know maybe a little bit more of the bodybuilding world or whatever you want to call it and <laughs> The mindset is just so different. Like we are, we're not fixated on our food. Our, our nutrition is so easy. It's not something that we have to worry about. Um, we don't have anxiety about missing a week at the gym. We use that to our advantage. Um, and just that, just that in itself. I mean, for me, since I've been using carbonate and carb backloading, it really has been freedom from my old mindset. Uh, which I'm so glad I discovered. <laughs> and and just to see that amongst a group of people, you know, we enjoy food. We're not we're not slaves to some kind of, you know, diet. And it was really, really refreshing to just have all these like-minded people around. Um, and you know, I was just looking at some things today on Twitter and I saw the hashtag Tupperware for life on, <laughs> uh, you know, through like the bodybuilders. And I was like, wow, you know, just I understand that. I used to be there. I used to pack all my Tupperwares all the time with my, you know, make sure my macros are all sorted out. And uh, I'm glad I don't use that hashtag. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredibly freeing. I mean, it it's a really big mental challenge if you've come from that world to get to the point that you understand you're the master of your body and when you eat instead of you're a slave to an eating schedule. It's a very big change in mindset. I think the interesting dichotomy would be all these sessions that centered around the psychology of eating the paleo diet. And then if you go into the expo, they actually had a vendor that was actually, you know, they had those packs so you could, you know, take all your food with you and have them all packed up. I don't know if anybody saw that vendor, but. No, was that like the, what's that called? The six pack? Yeah, the fit pack or fit pack, pack or yeah. like that. But there's these huge kind of suitcase like devices that you can put all your Tupperware in and. You have like a one container for your shake and one container for all your supplements. And so, well, let's let's just talk about that for a minute. This paleo movement, and it was interesting. Uh, Jeff Fry, who I've been on his podcast, 
uh, made an interesting comment that everybody he's interviewed who says they're paleo or does paleo and people were talking to, he, he asked them what the defining characteristic of paleo was for them. And pretty much the unanimous feedback was, well, paleo is about eating whole foods. Okay, so now let's put that in the context of the expo. So for, you know, we all walked around the expo. How many pre-made, highly refined bars, meal replacements? I saw protein powders, um, you know, all this stuff. Like ID Life, all of their stuff is pre-packaged, highly processed, and they sponsored Paleo FX. Like how much of that shit did you guys see there? Did just, what were your impressions? 70, 80%. Yeah. 70, 80% of the vendors were paleo treats and refined stuff. And it's kind of, um, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's, uh, it's going to fuse a lot of people. You yeah. Know? D- doesn't that bars seem with, bars made out of bars made out of cricket flour. And I mean, it's just, it's just overwhelming. I mean, it's, um, people are going to get really confused. And when people see like, um, contradiction like that, you know, people just, they, they don't, it's kind of like people at church, you know, like they're at church, they're supposed to treat people right, and then they treat people poorly. It kind of just gives people a bad taste in their mouth. I don't know if that's a good parallel or not, but you know, it's fair enough. You know, um, yeah, so it's, um, I found it to be quite disturbing actually because people are just going to start eating the same, you know, whether it's dates that are, I mean, dates are better than refined flour. But they have the same, you know, they might not have as high a glycemic response, but it's still a glycemic response. And they're, you know, they're actually pretty, clients, it's a pretty sure. high glycemic response. Incidentally, it's got a high, a large percentage of glucose, but go ahead. But, you know, I tell clients control insulin, control your health. And that's basically what it comes down to. And unfortunately, you know, paleo, the paleo movement is going into this basically just replacing, you know, modern refined foods with these foods that are supposedly better, but they're actually not. I mean, they're you know, even more insulin up. well. They're even more modern and refined. We didn't even have the capability to make some of this crap. Uh, Correct. You know, like a dozen years ago, and you know, this is the point in any dietary movement, and you guys can agree or disagree with this. But this is the point in any dietary movement where it goes to total dog shit, and people disappear. Look at the South Beach diet. One of it is still by far the highest selling diet book ever. And the moment they came out with their meal replacement bars and meal replacement shakes, the whole thing fell apart. The zone diet, another one of the huge diets out there. As soon as people started trying to use the zone bars and zone shakes and zone powders, fucking just blew up. You know, people started disappearing. Atkins diet. Atkins diet was actually gaining some great ground for a while, which, you know, for good or for bad, you know, it, it was good to expose people to that ideology. But then what do they bring out? A bunch of meal replacement bars, meal replacement shakes, candy. I mean, they've got Reese's, like Atkins Reese's cups. And then it went to shit. Well, where's paleo headed right now? You know, it's no longer about a diet. It's no longer about health. It's about, okay, how can we squeeze a bunch of money out of all these people? Yep, exactly. Exactly. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's that's what the expo said to me this year. Last year there were some great products. I think they had some amazing olive oils. Some people had some wines there. You know, they were they were good good what I would still call natural products that weren't highly refined. And this year it was all about the bars and the shakes and the 
Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, there there still was some good products there, like the, the one guy with his different flavors of ghee, and then you had, um, you know, on it had some uh, like some pemmican type bars, and then you've got um, the uh, the other company that has their bison bars. Heck, I have them at my gym, and I can't even remember their name right now. Uh, Epic bars, you know. So there's still a lot of good products, but there was the amount of uh, refined stuff and shakes and deer antler and all sorts of other crazy <laughs> stuff um was just uh it was mind numbing yeah those pepperoni sticks that aj found were pretty tasty as well so that, oh yeah that, that's those, those are great <laughs> and i have to admit that but, the biggest thing i really enjoyed from the expo there's only one thing and i know it kind of blew up on facebook site this week was the chaffee right the the, the ultimate yes. the ultimate vehicle for heavy whipping cream <laughs> absolutely yes. And, and, you know, the things, if I can just interject for a second, the, the things with the, you know, that comes along with these prepackaged convenience foods, no matter what you want to call them, low carb or paleo or whatever, is that they come with a huge price tag. And this is a huge issue I see with people, um, you know, when they get excited about a diet or a plan or a movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, and next thing you know, they are going broke trying to follow a, a certain way of eating and, uh, you know, talk about stress levels and keeping those under control, uh, whatever your strategy is, you shouldn't be going broke over it. <laughs> right. What, what, like, what did we eat the whole time we were there? We pretty much sought out pieces of meat and we were able to get that just about anywhere. We even all ended up at the same time at Hooters at one point because we knew it was close and we could get a burger without a bun. You know, that that's Incredible. the stuff you need to be eating. What was that, Jim? And crab legs. Oh, and crab legs. crab legs. And wings. And shrimp. And shrimp. Yeah, so so the moral of the story is we were able to get a variety of meat. We didn't go buy a bunch of bars off somebody's table. You know, and and I even, you know, I even have a problem with bison bars and things like that. I, I understand what they're trying to do, and I don't always think it's about a money grab. I think sometimes people think they're helping the community, but, you know, it sends the wrong message. There's... You know, here, here's convenient food. You can eat all the time now. Don't worry about it. Snack on the go. No, don't snack on the go. You know, you don't need to. You can control things much better than that. Uh, so I think that just always gives the wrong message. And I'm saying all this as I'm about to launch my own supplement line. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, those are what I'm trying to do. And people will see this when they come out as I'm, I'm trying to fill very specific holes in what you can do with food instead of trying to replace food. None of none of my stuff is made to replace anything. It's to augment how you eat. And it's just so pervasive and even just in general consumer circles. I mean, when I have patients coming through my door, they're always doing some type of replacement. It's a shake, it's a smoothie. And one it's one of those things that's hard to crack for some patients that and, and some people in terms of because that's the way they've been doing it for such a long time and you have to kind of break them out of that habit. Yeah, and this just feeds the I mean, habit. There's a, I think there's a difference. You know, like Rob and Rob Wolf and Chris Cresser, Cresser took a, a whole bunch of flack about their probiotic line, and then they had a digestive support line that was like helping people, you know, that had a specific problem when they were switching over to a higher fat diet because their digestive system was so jacked up. So, you know, in, in your, your supplement line, too, Kiefer, you're trying to address a specific need. You're not replacing anything. You're 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 enhancing something. You know, like somebody taking magnesium to go to sleep. So, you know, there's a totally different thing with those Epic bars. You know, the thing I like about them is like I got kids, like high school kids, 
they go to school, you know, they're not going to pack, you know, salmon or whatever in their, in their lunchbox, but they've got, you know, bison mixed with base bacon fat mixed with cranberries. And it's pretty tasty for them. That's a really good lunch, you know, that uh, compared to, you know, the pizza that they're trying to be served at, uh, at school. So, you know, but you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of this stuff is just basically to get people to, uh, you know, and like these cricket bars with the dates in them and stuff, they're really tasty. And then all of a sudden you've basically hammered four of them down, yeah. you know, you're yeah. not going to overeat salmon or bacon or, or broccoli. And I tell people all the time, you know, what should I eat? Well, you can get salmon and broccoli anywhere. You can go to yeah. freaking, uh, you can go to, to Waffle House and get scrambled eggs and bacon. And even if, you know, if the quality is not as high, at least you're controlling your blood sugar. And that's the most important part in staying healthy is managing your blood sugar. Um, so that's, that's what people don't understand. Yeah. And your, your combination of, of salmon and broccoli, that is also the easiest meal you can ever make at home too. You get a salmon filet, you coat it, you throw it on a, on a large pan on some aluminum foil Coat it with a tiny bit of olive oil, you know, just rub it in, then sprinkle it with your seasoning of choice, throw it in the oven to be broiled. It takes about like between five and 10 minutes, depending on how thick it is, pull it out and it's ready to eat. The skin comes right off the back and then broccoli, you can cook it the same way. Throw it back in the pan, sprinkle some olive oil on it, salt it, whatever you want to do. Butter is obviously, yeah, always a good choice. Throw it in there, broil it for five minutes comes out like crispy it's it's perfect i mean these are super fast meals at home too you don't if you learn these things and you enjoy them and you learn how to enjoy them it's it's a lot easier you don't need all these convenience foods i'm just that was the the most disappointing thing i saw is that to me signals the end of a dietary movement because now people aren't going to get as good of results they're like, well, I'm eating paleo bars. I'm eating paleo because I'm eating all these bison bars and cricket bars. And, and I've got this meal replacement shake that says it's paleo because it doesn't have sucralose in it. It's got stevia instead. I, I don't understand why I'm, why I'm failing now. Why am I gaining weight? It doesn't make sense. I'm paleo. And that's usually the end of a movement. Maybe it's the beginning of a good bowel movement for some of these people. But in general, I think it's the end of the dietary movement, at least its efficacy. So I guess that ended that one. Um, uh, and, and well, it it teaches people to be lazy. That's that's all it does. I mean, it just teaches people to be lazy. But the you know the thing is, it's not that hard to begin with. Like you know, my well, I know it's not. But yeah, but and you know how Americans are. They want they want everything done for them. They yeah. want convenience, and uh, right. and I, that's that's the way people are. Yeah, you know? I I agree. But there's also that missing component that paleo never. I never really hear them discuss, and that's the ability to control hunger to an infinite degree. I mean, I, I got up late for my first day there, so I've got to, like, get up. I was there at 9 o'clock to give a talk. I didn't get coffee. I didn't get my heavy cream. I got nothing. I was, like, boom, rushing around, got there, got on stage, and I didn't get to eat that day until, I think, 4, 4.30 because I wouldn't eat the crap that was in the building. And it didn't affect me at all. I was having high-level conversations. My energy levels were up. And I'm not saying that that's ideal every day. But I'm in a position where it just doesn't matter. I've got control over my metabolism, my hunger, all of that. And I I think most of the people in our group, uh, Jim included, Rocky, it wasn't a big deal. You know, it just wasn't a big deal to not worry about it. And that's what I think makes it so easy 
And I think that's the opposite message that comes along with these convenience foods. Um, but again, context is everything. As Jim pointed out, it's better to send your kid to school with a bison bar than it is to let them have pizza, which counts as a vegetable in the school nutrition right. system. I completely agree with you, Kiefer. That, that has been a huge thing for me uh, over the last couple of years and, and with carb backloading and carb night. And just like you say, when I was traveling, you know, there was stopovers at the airport and things don't always go as planned. And, you know, a couple of years ago, that would have crippled me. I would have been starving. I would have been panicking for food. And, you know, now that just, it doesn't happen. And it, it really, it changes your life. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And, and speaking of changing your life, you had an, another good talking point, and this is specifically against paleo and ties in with the talk I gave about hormesis and what that means and why paleo is actually, in a lot of instances, making people more sick. Um, and wh why don't you give, I've, I've heard so many of these unequal one stories, why don't, why don't you give yours, AJ? Oh, okay. Uh, yes, the one with uh, wheat and gluten. And, and yes, I was, I was full, you could call me like 100% paleo for a while. And, you know, I was coming from a, a pretty sick place uh, as far as my overall health. So the paleo approach to my nutrition cleaned up a lot of things in my diet that needed attention. So it, it did improve my gut health and I did see some benefit. And I think a lot of people get blinded uh, when something does help them at one point. Uh, they think that it's the answer. And maybe it was just, you know, maybe it was a good uh, solution at that time, but it doesn't mean that it's the best thing moving forward. Uh, so yeah, I became, uh, I always had a little bit of an issue with wheat and gluten. I had uh, like major systemic candida overgrowth. So that was my main issue uh, quite a few years ago. And when I adopted like a, a paleo way of eating, um, it did improve certain things, but I really started to notice over a very short period of time that I became really hypersensitive. So I think the story I told you, Kiefer, was uh, when I moved back uh, to Ontario where my family lives, you know, I hadn't been around bread for a very long time and I was serving it at a family gathering, wasn't eating it, just my mom said, could you cut this bread and put it on the table? And uh, I did that. And next thing you know, within a few minutes, I have itchy arms and hands and breaking out in what looks like a rash on my arms. Um, <laughs> so that was uh, maybe three, four years ago. And then you can see the contrast now. Like some of you witnessed my carb night when we were at PaleoFX and how much wheat and gluten that consisted of. And that was just a matter of over years, just gradually adding it back into my diet and and what do you know? I have no reaction to it now whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I, th I think that's where, you know, there, there's this over-focus on food allergies. And I don't want to talk about this too much because I talk about it all the time. But we, we focus so much on, oh, well, this is giving you a reaction and this is giving you a reaction. And then we take it out for 30 days, uh, which then definitely gives you a reaction to a ton of different foods. But when you look at the science and you look at actual testing to say, okay, is this a true fundamental biological response to this particular food? Or are you having a general inflammation response just because of what you're eating, which even might seem healthy? There's still a lot of toxins in plants. Um, and we've got to decide which it is. And I'll tell you right now, if you think you've got more than one food allergy, 
it's very, very unlikely. You think you have three legitimate food allergies, then you're probably one of eight people on the planet. I mean, it goes down exponentially the number of food allergies you think you have that are real. And when we look at those statistics, you know, we can't just say, oh, well, 6% of people have a gluten allergy and then 8% of people have this allergy and 1% of people have an egg allergy and I think it's 2% of people have a peanut allergy. You can't look at those each individually because once you combine them and say, okay, how many people have a gluten allergy and a peanut allergy, it's, it drops off the map. It doesn't happen very often. It's very rare. So if you're having a reaction to all these foods, the most likely thing that's going on is you're just sick. You need to fix that. Um, and I think paleo misses that. Paleo basically works like modern medication, which the way I think we should use modern medication. It's an adjunct. You're really sick. You can make yourself feel a little bit better and take care of other things by removing these foods for a while. Just like if you're really sick and really obese, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea to take metformin for a little while as you try to lose weight, but you've got to fix the major issues. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways, paleo unfortunately masks how sick you are and the fundamental ways to fix that and just tricks you into thinking you're better because you don't eat wheat anymore or you don't eat peanuts or you don't eat egg whites or you don't eat nightshades anymore, except you'll eat potatoes, which are nightshades, but they're safe. So that's okay. I really think that that idea of using, at least that's how I practice, is I use the medication as an adjunct to the diet. And, you know, it's amazing the results you can get sometimes because there are just some people that they just need that extra push over the hump. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what I will do. Um, and I think one of the things that I, I always kind of get um, irritated with, I guess, when I, when I, at least this last weekend, was the, the, so, the, the anti-medication um, establishment, I guess, in the paleosphere. Maybe that's, I don't know if there's another better way of approaching it. And obviously it's probably because of, you know, a lot of providers and, and, you know, and alumni compadres aren't doing a lot of things that we're doing in my practice, but, but still, I, I think there's gotta be a perspective. And I, I actually, I got into a kind of a heated discussion about stat medications in, in the foyer, I think on Saturday. And I'm like, you know, there's a bit of hyperbole on both ends and there's gotta be, there's always a middle ground where you can, you know, use things adjunctively. And I think that's a great word to use. And when you look at it, this kind of whole system. Yeah, that I would totally agree with that. And, and both are adjunctive. Uh, again, I don't think paleo is something I think you can do way better than paleo if you're looking for long-term health. Like way, way better. Um, same thing, if you're looking at classical medical advice and, and medication, you can do way, way better than staying on medication indefinitely. Um, and that that's what kind of the message needs to be is we can do better than this. Sure, this is a great short-term solution, but we need long-term solutions. And I, you know, I've had a handful of people who were paleo, switched to carbonite, and backed off on the paleo component and moved past their plateaus, whatever there were. You know, their, their blood health, mar their blood markers didn't look as good, or they had really a lot of trouble losing body fat or whatever. And all of a sudden, like their plateau disappeared as soon as they got out of that paleo paradigm and moved to a paradigm where they're really focused on controlling insulin instead. And just like Jim said, you control insulin, you control your health. 
It's absolutely true. It's in every one of my programs, every one of my articles. I'm focused on that. Um, and, and that is the key. Andrea brought up another good point. She, she was the only person of, this, of these four people who actually came up with talking points for this podcast. Um, she brought up another good point about ketones and this hyper-focus on ketones right now. And it, was, it definitely came out in a couple of my panels. And I, I think it's very inappropriate. So I'll, I'll let Andrea introduce this because uh, she hears it a lot more than I do right now, especially with her client load compared to mine. And, and then I'll, I'll give a little bit of a brief and then we'll let Jim wax poetic about strength training for women because I know he's kind of chomping at the bit. All right. So I, I think my comment was just about, and, and I see it in emails all the time and you see it on, um, you know, forums about carb night. There's just, they're just so fixated on being ketogenic all the time. And I, and I really think it creates, you know, like I said, another stressor. I always tell people, I'm like, don't let your nutrition turn into an, another added stressor for you. And I, the real focus for, you know, and, and that's where maybe some of the, uh, the issue with context came up too with, you know, Ben Greenfield being on stage and, and his, his self experiments and, and you there, uh, it was, you know, if, if the person is looking for fat loss in general health, let's focus on regulating blood sugar and, and insulin, and let's not over-focus on ketones <laughs> and, you know, peeing on keto sticks how many times a day. Right. Or ketone breath meters or whatever. Yes. And- to use one of my patented words, canard, you know, I think that's what this whole ketone thing is, is a canard. I can say absolutely there is one paradigm where we know ketones are extremely important, and that's endurance exercise. We have enough direct data and enough direct testing to know it is actually the presence of the ketones that can help cardiac efficiency, diaphragm efficiency. Um, it can increase blood flow through vasodilation. Uh, th- these are these are known and important effects. When we start talking about brain health and mental focus, I know Ben Greenfield mentioned this a lot. Well, if you want to focus, if you want mental focus, you need ketones. Even that is very very unclear. Um, they could help speed things up. Uh, as I've dug more and more into the research of ketones and brain health, uh, it, and I'm going to go over this briefly. We'll do another podcast on this, but. It turns out it might not be the ketones that are magic. They've tried to do direct experiments to tell if it's ketones or, or the lack of carbohydrates that have these positive effects. And they get basically a negative for ketones. It's not the ketones. The ketones are not the key player in metabolism that are help giving us brain health. And what it seems to be related to is that ketones upregulate certain transporters in the blood-brain barrier called monocarboxylate transporters. And ketones, when your system has a high level of ketones, those upregulate very quickly. If you're on a carbohydrate-based diet, those are down-regulated pretty strongly because your body tries to rely on glucose. The problem with that is, is these monocarboxylate translate, trans, um, uh, trans, what was I going to say? Transporters. Transporters. Thank you. I kept wanting to say transmitters. These monocarboxylate transporters also transport short chain fatty acids, which there are a lot of cells in your brain that are not neurons like astrocytes, which control in whole brain functioning and whole brain coordination and helping different parts of the brain communicate with each other. 
And these cells rely on short, are very heavily dependent on short chain fatty acids. So what we see is actually a shift in overall brain metabolism to a greater capacity to have access to and burn fat and to rely less on glucose. So again, the important factor, AJ's pointed out, Jim's pointed out, I point out, Rocky sees in his practice all the time is controlling insulin and blood sugar. Has nothing to do with being ketogenic. Ketogenic should be your focus if you're a high endurance athlete. And that's about it. If you're not ketogenic, don't worry about it. Who cares? Worry about your blood sugar levels. Worry about your insulin levels. Being ketogenic is not important. I think a lot of these adjunctive therapies we're seeing where we say, well, we're going to add ketones into the diet nutritionally. I think that we're going to see that as a short-term benefit. Uh, and I'm waiting for long-term studies to come out on, on those supplements to see if, you know, maybe the two can interplay together and make things even better, but it still won't confirm that ketones are the only thing you have to worry about. Um, ketones, again, even if you add them to the diet, they just might allow your brain to get more fat faster, which is going to make it healthier. Uh, so that's, that's my quick little rant on that. And, you know, brought up from AJ's point, you know, there's so much hyper focus on being ketogenic. I don't think it's, it's that important. The research doesn't point to it being that important for health, fat loss, brain health, any of these things. Um, even in cancer research, it's not necessarily the ketones. It's the lack of blood glucose and insulin that can fight cancer cells. So, you know, AJ had mentioned cost in terms of diet. I mean, if you're doing um, blood finger sticks for ketone, that those strips are like exorbitantly expensive too. So, I mean, why why spend the extra cost as well? Yeah, and the pea sticks don't always correlate with ketone levels. I know, I guess the breath meters correlate pretty well, according to Ben. Uh, I haven't, I haven't seen those correlations, but I, I know the pea sticks, I mean, you could be totally ketogenic with three millimoles, um, per liter. Is that what it per is? Liter, yeah. Per liter, three millimole per liter levels and not pee any ketones. Um, so, you know, those are pretty, in my opinion, useless, but yeah, it just adds a big expense. Uh, it adds a huge stressor on people when it just doesn't appear to be very important in the research at the moment. Um, like I said, unless you're a high-performance endurance athlete, and then it kind of matters. But let's switch from high-endurance performance athletes because nobody here likes that. Um, at least at least I don't. I would never recommend that. And let's move to you know a discussion about training females and working with females and strength training and both. You know, AJ, you've got some really practical experience with this and Jim has been developing and helping to develop systems and using systems for years now uh, to help women get to adequate strength training and actually taking them beyond taking just normal everyday women and crushing records at power meet at powerlifting meets, which is, you know, phenomenal when you're talking about this is literally just somebody who was a homemaker for several years who's now, you know, got, got a state record in powerlifting. So let's, sh let's shift the conversation that way. That's also what Jim, Jim presented on some of that on movement and, and breathing techniques at Paleo FX. So let's, let's move in that direction. Jim, yeah, I mean, it's just, lead? um, yeah, sure. My, that's probably my number one passion is, is educating women particularly that you really don't have to do that much 
um, to get the benefits of strength training and you don't have to be a female bodybuilder. You don't have to be a figure competitor. You don't have to be an elite level powerlifter to benefit from just some basic fundamental strength training. And, and the whole idea of homeostasis, especially in the beginning, the level of work you have to do to stimulate adaptation from the body is very, very minimal. And so starting people off where they are, you know, you would never throw a toddler into a UFC fight. Um, you know, you would, you would start them off with play, you know, you teaching them how to move and that sort of thing. So that's pretty much what I do with women is start them off where they are and then just gradually add stimulus and teach them about lifestyle and eating and taking care of themselves. And then eventually over time, you end up with, you know, women that are 140 pounds that, you know, go from running marathons to go to, to deadlifting 400 pounds. You know, it's a, it's a gradual process and, and um, you know, you just have to be consistent. And, and that's the thing. I think, you know, part of my talk at the Paleo FX was this whole idea of just absolutely having to murder people for he- in the name of health. Uh, if most people under, really understood how, how easy it was to just be healthy um, as far as the diet and the lifestyle and the training-wise, I think a lot more people would do it. Instead, they see stuff like The Biggest Loser and you know P90X and, and CrossFit. And in my opinion, that message of the go hard and go home scares more people away than it does attracts people, you know? Hey, Jim, you know, one of the comments I made on one of the panels was a comment of addition by subtraction. How, just in mm-hmm. general, what kind of timing and how many days a week and how little uh, does it take just to get people healthy if you get the right diet on board? Okay, well, in my, in my experience of, you know, I have clients, about 30 clients I've had for 13 years, which there's not very many people can say that, I don't think. Um, two days a week of lifting, being active every day, and then controlling blood sugar. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and I think, you know, Chris Kresser in his book, and there was a bunch of people at Paleo FX that really pointed this out. And I pointed this out in my, um, my speech as well. If you're sitting every day for eight hours a day, like two sessions a week of training is not going to make up for that. So you have to be active every day, you know, walking, getting up every couple of your cup, you know, 10 to 15, 20 minutes, half an hour at work and moving around, you know, that has to be important as well. And then controlling your blood sugar through whatever means that you decide to do that with, you know, obviously most of the people I see, especially women that don't eat enough fat and that's why they're craving sugar. And that's why they're, you know, eating way too much refined starch. Um, and then sleep, you know, most people are running around like a chicken with their head cut off and they try and add intensity into their, into their re- uh, regimen instead of adding some relaxation. So the, you know, the, like I talked about in my speech was building the base of walking daily activity with appropriate diet and sleep and then movement and meditation on top of that. Because if people don't go for walks and they don't sleep, they're sure as heck not going to meditate. So I put meditation and good movement on top of that. And then exercise is at the peak of the pyramid and the exercise needs to be geared towards what their goals are. And for 90% of the people that come through my door, their goal is to look good and feel good, not to be a professional athlete, not to be a professional CrossFitter, not to be a professional marathon runner. They, they just want to have good posture. They want to be strong. They want to be able to play with their grandkids. And so a basic fundamental strength training program based on good quality movement is basically what's going to give people that. And what do you see with some of the clients coming to you, AJ? I know you've got a 
a huge group of now car carboniters and car backloaders. Um, what are they, what are they trying to do and what is it you try to steer them to, or are, are they already kind of at that somewhat ideal level of ex of movement and exercise? Um, well, it varies. Uh, I think, you know, what Jim just said, just totally nailed it. it he, what he teaches um, his clients is exactly what I try to teach mine. And because what I'm doing right now, I'm focusing more on uh, the nutrition and, and people that already have an exercise program in place, I just help them adjust it. So if I think that their goals are totally way off and that, you know, for the amount of exercise that they're doing needs to be adjusted, then, then we'll look at that. But it, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm telling people to exercise less. Uh, that seems to be the common theme. Uh, I've got lots of women who are training like five, six days a week uh, and just under eating in general. So that's pretty common. And then I, I also think just changing the, the goal, I just find women in general just always, I mean, they just they seem to have been on this diet train for years, just constantly trying to, uh, I'll say like get smaller, lose weight. And it's like, let's shift the focus. Let's get healthy and let's learn to do a couple of chin-ups. Like just that in itself, just shifting that focus. Cause I mean, these women are exhausted. They've been focusing on losing weight or getting smaller or however you want to look at it for years. And that mental shift I think does a lot for women. And that's where I like, you know, Jim's approach where that these everyday women who have these strength goals and it's all about just creating balance in their life and uh that's my approach too and i preach that all the time <laughs> yeah and i it's amazing to me that women don't see strength training in the same way as as men and you know i wouldn't say most men do it for aesthetics but at the same time guys like to be strong and there's no reason that women shouldn't enjoy being strong and you hear that all the time once they're you know, they've got a great workout or they worked with Jim for a while. Like they love being strong. They don't look like body, female bodybuilders. They don't look like big Austrian, you know, shot putters in the female Olympics who can pull tree stumps out of your yard with their teeth. They're just strong. Um, and they, and they really enjoy that. And, you know, I, you brought up pull-ups and pull-ups or chin-ups are a great example. Women can do pull-ups very easily. They've got great musculature for it. They just have to learn to activate their nervous system. I, I deal with women all the time. Like I can't do pull-ups or, you know, I, I try really hard, got a very, very simple program. And suddenly at the end of two weeks, they're doing a real pull-up. And I don't mean their elbows are coming forward or, or any of that stuff, or they're doing a kipping pull-up. They're actually, their elbows are back. They've got very nice form and they can go all the way up, get their chin over the bar and control their descent. It's not really that hard. It's just they're using wrong training methods. Give me any female who's been doing CrossFit for a year. I bet they can't do a good pull-up. I would just, I would bet money on it. Because uh, I've just, I've actually never personally seen it. So this focus on strength and it, it's, you know, just trying to help them understand the importance that there is no downside. There's just no downside. It's all benefit and it's not that hard. And, and I just want to talk to the diet point. I know a lot of people who exercise a lot think, you know, they, they, they're coming from a carbohydrate based diet. And I know Jim, you've experienced this a lot where you've got clients who are used to eating a lot of carbs and then they're coming in and working with you and you, you help them cut the carbs and you help them cut their training volume. 
And that's incredibly appropriate. One reason we can get away with so much excessive exercise is because we use the carbohydrates. When you take carbs out of the diet to get the same exercise performance goals, no matter what those are, your training load needs to be 40% or less of what it was previously. So you automatically should be decreasing how much you exercise. And I think, you know, Jim, Jim's learned this through his, his work. AJ utilizes this. Uh, and, and this is an interesting group, by the way, because AJ's learned both from, well, from all three of us, Rocky recently, but I met her at TLAG one a couple years when she went to hear Jim talk and, you know, learn more about his approach and what he does with clients. So, you know, this is a really great group to have on a call uh, because there's, there's so much interplay between all of us. But I think that has also to do with stress as well. Right. I mean, I think that not stressing about, oh, I didn't make it in the gym is a really important factor. I mean, uh, and it's, it's stressful enough trying to get the dial di- di- dialed in as well. So uh, throw that on top of uh, trying to hit the gym six and seven days a week and doing two a days. Um, it really is kind of burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, it's all about hormone optimization and picking activities and things that are going to give your body the best hormone profile possible. And the healthier you are, the the more than likely you're going to have a better looking body and a body fat that doesn't store excessive body fat and um, the best body for you. And that's what I try to get people to focus on, especially women, not looking at what Victoria's Secret thinks is the best body or what, you know, you're one of the other girls at the gym, the way they're built, but focusing on what is the best body type for you and how you feel and your menstrual cycles and all that kind of stuff. And, and the strength training combined with controlling insulin combined with sleep and rest and and teaching them about, you know, like a lot of my type A girls getting them HRV so they can see how their body adapts to stress. And most of the girls that I deal with, they see that their life creates more stress than their training does. And what happens is, is they're stressed out, they're not taking care of themselves, then they throw hard training on top of that, they dig themselves a hole. And so what they do is they start changing their life around, they start changing their mindset, they start doing some meditation, and they see their HRV score goes up, and then they can train hard. So it's a nice way to keep people, type A people accountable, um, where you're like, well, if you want to really train hard and be able to adapt to the training, then you're going to have to take, you know, basically take care of yourself and that's going to give you the ability to train instead of saying, well, just drive through it. You had a bad day. You're fully stressed. But, you know, you just all you got to do is push through. And most of the people advocating that go hard or go home type attitude, unfortunately, are using, you know, some sort of things to help their body adapt, um, you know, whether it be performance enhancing drugs or or uh, stimulants or whatever they're using to help them drive through that and and. Um, you know, most normal people don't understand that fact, or they just just have the ability that you're highly adaptable, like Dr. Parsley says, that you know, there's a certain percentage of people that, you know, people, the kind of people that win the CrossFit games, the kind of people that make it in the Navy SEALs, that can just endure a large amount of suffering. And that's just not the normal everyday person. Right. And we also, whenever we talk about ath- athletics at a high level, we also need to keep in mind that there might be, as we talked about, adjunctive therapies that allow them to handle and recover better from some of these excessive training loads. Uh, we, we like need not keep... having a job. What? Well, yeah, not having a job <laughs> like helps. not having a job. <laughs> yeah, there's not having a job. There's chemical assistance. You know, there's all kinds of things going on at that level that the everyday person does not have the luxury of doing. 
or the wherewithal to do. Uh, Navy SEALs are a little different. I'm sure they've got a psychology about them that allows them to completely ignore their body, uh, no, no matter what state of stress that it's in. And I know there's some studies actually on that and how their body or how their mind will res- respond to certain stressors. They can actually... Dr. Uh, Dr. Parsley, sorry to cut you off, but Dr. Parsley talked about that, whereas a lot of the SEALs, they don't feel relaxed unless they're in a highly stressed environment. Right, yeah. The so high stress. Like, they, actually... they come back to normal life and they can't function, but when people are shooting at them, they're like, hey, dude, what'd you do last week, man? Did you go to the movies? And they're having like a conversation about their kids and stuff in combat. Their buddy gets his arm blown off, and they're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. They, they don't know how to, to live in a normal state. They have to be in a stress response to feel normal. It's, it's Right. It's, it's, totally, it's totally opposite. They actually will calm down and show a lot of the signs of what somebody meditating will display decision making yep yep and it and that trigger a high stress response just like you said triggers that so they're totally backwards of of normal people in that way Uh, and that's why a lot of ancient cultures treated their warriors their warriors had different rules they had um they're a totally different society because they understood the mindset that it takes to kill people regularly as your job is different from your normal everyday person you know and I, i think that's something that people don't understand that when you're a warrior and your job is to kill people, um, you're probably not going to integrate yourself in a regular everyday society very well. <laughs> we'll see that in first responders as well, where they have this state of hypervigilance is kind of how it's described where they, where they come home and they're yeah. still, they persist in that hypervigilant state because that's the way they were when they were working. Yeah. It's, it's um, a, a little off topic and, you know, that's not obviously really so female focused anymore. And, and I, I think like, I wanted to talk about that, you know, the female focus in, in Jim and AJ, I know a lot of AJ's clients are females, even though she prefers, or she likes to work with males, uh, clients because they're a little bit easier from time to time, like but, but diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is this, this isn't only important for a, a woman's health. You know, this also has consequences to their children if they're planning on having kids or they haven't had kids yet being in a hyper stress response whether that's from your home life or your home life with training or all these things we stack onto it will actually can have permanent consequences on your children absolutely um those high cortisol levels well i want to explain the mechanism a little bit just give me a second jim oh sure i'm sorry and it's, no problem. yeah, it's those really, really high stress hormones continuously can actually break down the enzymatic barrier that doesn't normally allow cortisol to reach the fetus. And when it does that, those children we're finding out more and more are born uh, basically with anxiety disorders. They can't even handle normal everyday stress. Um, and we're seeing that more and more and more. And this may be something that's related to some of the things we see like hyperactivity, um, ADD, it, it really just might be that we're ignoring the stress levels that women endure and women put themselves through. And it's, you know, it's, it's almost a shameful at this point that we have women do stuff like CrossFit after working eight hours at a really stressful job, um, and have a stressful home life and so on and so forth. But go ahead, Jim. Yeah. And it, and I think, you know, like the parallel between like a Navy SEAL and, and women, a lot of the women that I see, they create so much stress in their life, they, they almost don't know how to function without stress. You know, whether it's like 
you know, just creating drama or, you know, talking about their friends or so getting women to kind of relax and chill out and learn how to, to, to slow down is huge because women have put this huge burden on themselves. They have to be a homemaker. They have to be a, a breadwinner. They have to be, a, you know, they have to be attractive. They have to look like a Victoria's Secret model and they have to be a good husband or a good wife and a good mother and all these things, I'm, you know, getting ahead of myself, but it's, you know, they put so much stress on themselves. A lot of women, they can't function unless they're constantly like stressed. They're constantly have to be going, 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 going. Cause if they ever allowed themselves to slow down, they would just, they just wouldn't be able to function. So it, it's not to the same extreme as the Navy SEAL, but it's the same kind of deal. They're addicted to the stress response. They don't know how to slow down. And their deal, their way of dealing with stress is to go to a spinning class and have someone yell at them for an hour and a half. So they do their spinning class and then they go home and they're so exhausted. It's the only way they can get to sleep. Right. Because and if you actually, if you actually made them slow down and lay down and I've made women do this in the gym, close their eyes and relax and breathe, they're literally uncomfortable. They literally start shaking. They start, um, there's a one lady we had come in and I made her listen to brainwave and she literally started going into like a manic state because she just did not feel comfortable relaxing. And she was like, the only way I can sleep is if I'm completely exhausted at the end of the day. And I see that a lot. I see the women that just can't slow down and they can't relax. They just, they're on all the time. And I think that's why we see so much addiction to running and the activities you just, you just talked about spinning classes uh, running, getting on the treadmill, CrossFit even, these things cause a legitimate high in the brain. So it, it's, you yeah. know, having this excessive stress is, like you said, their only way that they know now to calm down or relax even for a little bit to get that mental euphoria that you could get just from relaxation or right. you know, something low-key, and they just can't handle that. And I I think that's one reason my running article caused so much heated debate is right. because there are a lot of women who are addicted to that response and they need it. And it, all of a sudden I'm saying, well, take that away. Like, how do you cope? Just like you said, they become even more stressed. Right. They go almost manic. Well, and some, some people you cut themselves. Some people use food. Some people use sex. Some people use gambling. Some people abusive relationships. Everybody has their their demon and their tool to deal with stress. And for some reason, exercise, that's how I dealt with my stress for years was my anger that I had that I need, you know, I needed to forgive my parents and some other people in my childhood. I dealt with that through sports and I dealt that through that by knocking the crap out of people. And guess what? I got, you know, scholarships for that. I got recognition for that. So it even reinforced that. And so you've got these women that have all this stress and their wheel of dealing with it is going out and running a marathon. It's by doing a tough mutter. And not that these things are wrong, but it's, you know, you need to start adding some things that put, you know, rebuild your body to deal with stress instead of tearing your body down even more. Because if you've got more activities that are tearing you down than building you up, you end up like I did, like, in, you know, with an autoimmune disease, you know, and so... Um, that's the thing is people teaching people, Hey, you know, instead of dealing with your stress by going out and running 13 miles, why don't you go lay in the park and breathe and relax? And, you know, that'll go a long, a lot longer way for rebuilding some hormonal balance, build, you know, building some balance and, and getting you healthy than, than driving your broken car faster. Right. And that's probably your, one of the best analogies. That's exactly what's going on. Your car's already broken. It's already not 
functioning properly and you're just slamming down on the gas, just waiting for it to blow up. I think you, yeah, you, the anxiety. Well, I was going to say, I, I think the, the paleo effects. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say AJ pretty much had, had an event similar to that. You know, she just, she was driving a broken car and you basically just pushed yourself over the cliff. Yep. Oh, a few times in my life, for sure. And I'm just sitting here <laughs> listening to, to you guys, just, you know, nodding my head going, yep, yep, yep. And, you know, one of the best things I ever taught myself to do was sit on the sofa and put my feet up and not sit there and feel like someone needs me to be doing something or I should be washing the dishes. Just sitting there and just knowing that this is for me and I don't have to be doing something else. The world's not going to come to an end. If I go to bed and there's dirty dishes in the sink, I, I actually tell my clients to do that every once in a while because we just have to realize that the world doesn't end when we, we don't meet all these, like, I don't know, these standards that we set for ourselves. And I have a, you know, a lot of clients that, like Jim was saying, coaches, CrossFit coaches in particular, where you ask them, when was the last time you, you took a deload week or just, you know, took some time off from the gym? And their answer is, I don't know, two years ago. And uh, when you tell them, you know, maybe we need to take some downtime, they're literally in tears, but, you know, just at the thought of having to take a few days off from the gym, they don't know how to cope with that suggestion. And that to me is really scary. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was my attitude. Like literally when I was younger, my thought was every day I'm not in the gym, somebody else made it and now they're better than me. And, you know, I was in the gym every day because of that. And then sometimes if I had time, I was in the gym twice a day. And when I started cycling, I was cycling, you know, three or four hours a day. And then I would still get to the gym. You know, it's just that constant thought process of like every day I have to be better. I never rode my bike to enjoy it. I never enjoyed riding the bike because as soon as I clicked into my pedals, I had one goal and that's to be better than I was the day before. And that went on for months. And, you know, luckily I was young. Yeah, you know, I, I was young and I could handle that. But now that I'm older, I realize, man, I could have backed off so much and probably been a much better athlete and gotten to the levels that I wanted to get to that I struggled to get to. Um, it's just, it, it, and that, that's really hard to convey to people who are young or who are stressed or, you know, like Jim said, that's their, that's their coping mechanism for life. Uh, you just, you can't take that away from people. You've got to help them understand that it's something they have to give up. You can't take it away. They have to volunteer moving on. You know, I think yes. one of the interesting similarities as I hear you guys talking between the quote unquote healthy population and the unhealthy population is that it's probably just as hard to get an unhealthy person who doesn't move to move as it is to get a healthy person who's doing too much to stop, you know, to reduce their, their activity. I think there's a similarity there that's interesting. It's probably just as painful for both. I think it's much, I think it's much harder in my experience to get someone to slow down than it is to take someone who's unmotivated and lazy to do more. Because they don't, the unmotivated and lazy, they don't have to do much. They just have to do a little bit. And then if they start eating a little bit better, they start feeling better, they're going to do a little bit more. And they're never going to overtrain. But the person that's addicted to exercise, to get them to stop is like, it's almost, it's very difficult. Like, I see people with hair falling out, blown out knees, hip replacements, and they still keep going. It's like a drug addict, you know? Yeah, I remember. I, I agree. So, 
Yeah, last year, last year at Paleo, uh, when I was on a couple panels, somebody came up to me afterwards, like, well, you know, I'm just wondering if there's any way you can help me. I, I run marathons. I try to do a marathon once every other month. This is my training load. Uh, I'm vegan. And she, and she, it turned out she was only like mid, late 30s, early 40s. She wasn't, wasn't very old at all. And I honestly thought I was talking to somebody in their late 50s, early 60s. I mean, they were just falling apart. And they're like, you know, could, could I just do, if I change just this, if maybe I ate some of my starches at night is, is that going to make a difference? Like, no, that's not going to make any difference at all. You're like doing all the worst things for yourself. And when I recommended stopping running for a month and trying more strength training, I, I mean, I swear I saw more hair fall out just in that moment. Um, and, and it's, you know, you're aging yourself. The amount of stress, if you can't look in the mirror and see that something's going wrong, then I, I honestly don't know how to help you. And that's the same somebody who's, you know, really obese. If you can't look in the mirror, and I, I think they're more in tune with it. You know, I think they're more in tune with looking in the mirror and knowing something's not right than the opposite, the exerciser who is at least not obese. So they figure that's good. Well, I'm not obese, so everything else must be okay. Uh, that that hyper focus on the wrong thing can often, you know, again, reinforce those bad habits of just doing more and more. It's asinine that I, I don't think I've said asinine yet this podcast, so I had to get that in there. And when it comes to that point, these people just can't help themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a chronic addiction that needs professional help. Like, like Amy, I don't know if you went to Amy Kubal's speech, but with her eating disorder and stuff, it, it just gets to the point where you need to have an intervention. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our society that are, that are doing that to themselves in the name of health. Um, you know, somewhere in the middle is the answer. And we've got people sitting on their ass at home, and then we've got people killing themselves with exercise. And Somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. And that's unfortunately most people never find that spot, you know? Yeah. Yep. And that's, uh, we're, we're at the end of our hour. So let's for one time on my podcast, let's try to end on a high note and everybody will, <laughs> we'll, we'll start with Rocky. Like every, like one thing that you liked about paleo FX and like not, not the after get togethers or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, Particularly, like, one positive thing about PaleoFX itself. I think the one positive thing that I really enjoyed was Rhonda Patrick's talk. It was um, different than a lot of the other talks I went to, and it was just, uh, it had a different feel to it, and I enjoyed listening to her speak. Jim? I heard a lot of different people talk about mindfulness, talk about resting, talk about walking, talk about daily activity. Uh, I think the pendulum's starting to swing from this extreme exercise um, kind of deal. And so I heard a lot of people starting to say the similar thing, whereas you didn't hear that two or three years ago. So that was pretty, uh, Betsy Meyer, who talked about breathing, she talked about how anxiety is having bad breaks. And so there's a lot of people talking about relaxing, calming down, working in. So that that for me was really, really exciting to see that. AJ? I'm on the same page with Jim for sure. That was a big takeaway message. Listening to Eva T talk. Uh, on you her can't. Panel. You can't just. You can't leech off of Jim's answer. You got to have your own no. unique answer. That's that's oh, the okay. that's the <laughs> downside to going <laughs> later. 
Okay, well, because I'm on board with just, you know, the rest. So, um, oh gosh, that, that was the, the answer I was thinking of, and now I'm on the spot. Crickets. Um, it was the, cr the crickets. The crickets. Well, the choffy. The choffy. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, your talk on hermetics was really uh, important to me, and it's something I speak about with a lot of people because I see a lot of uh, clients. My assessments are very thorough. I work online, so the assessment has to be very thorough. I don't see these people face-to-face -to, -face to assess them myself, and there's a lot of stress going on, but you know, people are, are afraid of food. And uh, they have taken so much out of their diet uh, that they are just kind of paralyzed. They're left with like nothing to eat. So um, I think that's an ish a huge issue. And I think it was really good that you were the only one there speaking about that. Um, well, I'll say thanks for that. And I think my favorite thing this year compared to last year was the audience was composed of a lot more or a lot fewer, what I would say, kind of extremists in exercise. I think last year, a lot of CrossFitters, a lot of people who are hyper-focused hyper on performance instead of health. And this year, the audience, the majority of people I spoke with, the, the audience was there because they were specifically concerned about their health. Um, I think that that was the biggest change I saw between the two, and that's really positive to see that you know, the more people out there who are focused on health, uh, the more that's going to influence their friends and family. So I was, I was really glad to see that at least in the audience, what they were searching for and searching out was information on how to be healthier. Uh, that, that was my favorite thing to see this year. Any, anybody else have any closing comments? I, I think that was like a, the most positive this show has ever been. I think meeting all, I, uh, all the people I, in the I have to say, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, go for it. I, I have to say meeting Coach Summer, who is a U.S. Gym, uh, US uh, gymnastics coach, uh, Olympic gymnastics coach for years and years, was pretty phenomenal. And talking, uh, listening to him talk about how the majority of their work at the elite level, gymnastics level, was is like 70 to 80 percent of their work is like, what they would consider remedial and only like 20% of their work is what they would consider intense. And that was, that was pretty cool. It, it basically solidified a lot of the same beliefs I've had about, you know, a lot of the work you're doing is just building a base so you can perform at a high level. Yeah. So that was really cool listening to him talk. Oh, I was just going to say that it was just really nice meeting everybody. It was nice meeting AJ and Jim yes. and all the other body IO kind of peeps in the world there. So I think everybody was just um, as pleasant and nice and fun to hang out with as they are on social media. Except for me, I warned AJ. I was like, everybody <laughs> loves me until they get to know me. And for a brief moment, she thought I was lying until our last day there. And I, I reinforced how much of an ass I can be to have to hang around with for too long. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I won't even discuss her. We, we, we still love you, dude. We <laughs> yeah, still love you. No. Yeah, I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta eat cherry turnovers with keepers. So I mean, hey, blueberry, oh, yeah. blue, blueberry turnovers. Oh, you, yeah, Whole Foods yeah. is a highlight. If I just, I would go to Austin just to go to that Whole Foods. I, yeah. I lived, I lived just a couple blocks from that Whole Foods and Twenty Four Diner. You can't tell me Twenty Four Diner is not always a highlight of Austin. Uh, yeah, I would just, I would go to uh, fly to Austin just to go to those two places. That's it. All right, I agree. That, uh, 
that wraps it up for another edition of Body IO FM. Uh, everybody, tune in next week. We've done an excellent job of being consistent on here. And if you want to hear old podcasts, go to body.io, which is about to grow in content here soon. So uh, stay tuned and uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks everybody for being on the show too, AJ, Jim. Uh, appreciate you guys coordinating to get on here. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Thanks. thanks. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.